Welcome to the Italian Football Podcast with John Solano, Carlo Garganese and Nima Tuvali. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the first interview episode of the Italian Football Podcast of the new season. My name is Nimatvali Ruzzari, and um, as we said, as you all know, uh, listeners to the show would know, since we joined Rocket Sports Network, we uh, these um, interview episodes are now free-for-all on Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, iTunes, etc. And we do them on a bi-weekly basis. Uh, obviously, the Monday shows are all also free for all uh, every monday uh, on 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 all platforms but let uh, the let's go to the reason why we're here it's, i'm really really happy that we're joined here today by a very good friend of the show he's been around i think this is the third time he's on the show um he's had a very exciting summer <laughs> it's eventful um so without further ado welcome mr matrizetta nima thanks for having me it's always a pleasure talking to you and give carlo my best i miss him Yes, I will. I'll definitely do that. And he told me to send his best to you as well. Let's get let's get right into it. It's been quite a busy few months. Um, many Calcio fans will know you as co-owner of Serie B side Ascoli, and we'll get to that as well. But we have to start with Campobasso um, and everything that happened this summer with them. So just a, just a, a little re- recap. So from what I understand, you guys you guys managed to stay up. SS Campobasso, obviously. Um, you guys stayed up in the Serie C, is that correct? Uh, that's correct. Finished uh, 13th place. That's it. And then you guys were preparing for the next season, but you were relegated because of financial irregularities, it said. So I wanted to ask you, what, what happened? Can you give us a chronology, chrono, chronology of what happened then? And then obviously we'll get to the new, the merger or the new Campobasso project. Sure. Well, it's interesting, you know, Nima, when you say you guys, you know, we weren't, our group was no, no. was no longer in the, you know, in the ownership group oh. of Campo Basso. We, um, you know, and it's funny, I'll give you the whole backstory, but basically, you know, to give you, and, and it's funny because everyone I talk to, when you tell them the whole story, it's like, <laughs> they tell you that it's, it wouldn't even be believable if it were in a Hollywood script. <laughs> we love that. We love that's Italian football. That's why we oh, love totally. it. <laughs> So just to give you the quick backstory, so you know we invested in Campobasso, who was our first investment in Italian football before Ascoli. This was in 2020, right smack dab in the middle of COVID, you know, pandemic, no ticket revenues from the stadiums being closed, so on and so forth. Campobasso was in the fourth tier at the time in Serie D. They hadn't been promoted to Serie C in 32 years. Our first year of owning the club, we won the league. We got them promoted to Serie C. Mm. We were a minority owner in the club. The majority owner was a company out of Switzerland, a fund out of Switzerland called Halley Holdings. We had some real issues with them in our first season. It was a phenomenal season on the pitch. We had incredible moments with the fans. Obviously, winning the first championship in 32 years was unforgettable. But behind the scenes, there were a lot of issues. You know, We saw a lot of things that we didn't like in terms of how the club was being managed, financial stuff, administrative sloppiness, you know, things of that nature. And just out of respect for them, I don't want to get too, you know, deep into the world. No, of course, of course. But, but that, so that was basically what happened. And we, we had an LOI that stated if 
Campobasso was promoted, which we were, you know, our group would have the option to buy the majority out at a fixed price. And obviously at the end of the season, we were loving the project. You know, we just won the championship. We saw a ton of upside. We were really building the brand nicely, as you know, in North America. So of course we decided to exercise our option to buy the majority. And then that's when our problems, our real problems with the other, at that time, majority owner uh, began. And this is in 2021, you know, June, 2021, right after the promotion, as they were gearing up to prepare for their first season in 32 years in City of Chi. Just uh, before so, you continue, just so I let the listeners know, LOI is letter of intent, right? Yes, sorry, I yeah, should have thought. No, 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 that's not just, <laughs> sorry, it sorry was a, go. It was a binding letter of intent that basically, you know, effectively gave us the majority ownership of the club for mm. a fixed price. So we exercised that and they essentially operated, you know, in what we believe was bad faith because they they didn't want to sell the club. They thought that the price that we negotiated at the LOI stage was lower than the value of the club and, you know, so on and so forth. They saw that the club was really gaining a lot of traction and momentum, primarily thanks to our team, you know, internationally. So they didn't want to sell to us. And, you know, we believe they just acted in bad faith. They did things mm. intentionally to delay the closing. They held back on financial documents and they basically just made it impossible for us to consummate the transaction. And at that point, that's when we divested from the club. And ultimately, we went in and invested in Askley, which we'll talk about later. Askley has yeah. been obviously a different project, phenomenal um, experience. But that, but as far as Campobasso went, that was sort of the end of our, our activity and our involvement with SS Campobasso. And it was painful. You know, it's like losing a child. You know, you yeah. buy, you invest in the club. The club becomes like a living, breathing organism. You see it, you know, breathe life into a city, into a fan base, into a region, you win a championship for the first time in 32 years. And it was very painful for me last year in Seti Achi. I basically kind of had to cringe every time, you know, somebody sent me an update on Campobasso or there was a news alert or something of that nature because we were, were basically watching it from the sidelines and couldn't participate. So mm. that's essentially what happened. And all of this then culminated. I just wanted to set the stage for you. All of this mm. then culminated this past summer. So I was on vacation with my kids in Tennessee, with my three daughters and my phone, this is like right around July 4th weekend. And my phone just starts blowing up. I mean, I was getting, I must've gotten hundreds of WhatsApp messages and texts from Italy. And it was, you know, it was fans of Campo Vaso. It was the, you know, the political figures, it was sponsors. Everyone was saying, Matt, did you hear what happened with Campo Vaso? I had, I had no idea. And they said they just got denied entrance or re-entrance into Seti Achi by the, at that time it was the Covisac, which is, I don't know oh, if yeah. listeners are familiar, but it's basically the financial auditing bureau of Italian yeah. football. Yeah. So I had no idea. And anyway, that, so that's when this whole fairy, the fairy tale, when this whole soap opera began, they were denied entrance into Seti Achi in early July uh, because of administrative irregularities ha- having to do primarily with late tax payments, although there were some other issues, but that was really the core issue. Mm. And then that began this whole spiral of um, of appeals. There was an there was you know six or seven appeals. Club ownership wound up appealing at every layer of the Italian justice system, both the sporting courts and the legal system, essentially up to the highest uh, highest level of of justice in Italy, which is the Consiglio di Stato, you know, mm-hmm. essentially the um, equivalent of the Supreme Court in the U.S. And they got rejected every step of the way. They wind up. They wind up getting rejected even for re-entrance into Serie D. 
So the club, wow. forget about being in Sedia Chi, the club wasn't even allowed to participate in Sedia D. And obviously we were getting all of these messages the whole summer from fans telling us to come back and buy the team. And our hands were tied. You know, it was out of our hands. It was all in the in the courts. And it was an issue between the old ownership group and the Italian legal system at that point. So we couldn't do anything. And then finally, September, I think it was September 5th, it was the sixth or seventh appeal, which was rejected after the five, you know, or six previous appeals, all of those were rejected. And the club was essentially, uh, was essentially um, gone. You know, there was no club, they had nowhere to play. And that's when we came in and we wound up, we, we just fell in love with the concept at that point of going to get our child back, you know, yeah, our, of course. Our child back, you know, unfinished business set out to do build what we set out to do two years ago. And there was this second club called Campo Basso 1919, that was in Echelenza in the fifth tier. And we wound up buying that club on September 11th. We consummated the deal and, Essentially, the plan is, you know, we had to put together a roster, a coach, GM, you know, all in the span of 72 hours. Our first game was five or six days later. And that's, that's basically what we did. And obviously, it's an ambitious project. It kind of it sucks that we have to start from the fifth tier, of course. But the, the, the project is ambitious. You know, we're investing considerable resources into this. And the goal is to, you know, get the team promoted twice over consecutively into Sedia Chi and then go from there, you know, long-term to get the club into Sedia B. Um, so that's basically what I've been doing this summer, Nima. How about wow. you? Well, <laughs> yeah, I've been busy, but not, not, not like you. That's for sure. Um, so just to, just to clarify, so Campo Basso 1919 and SS Campo Basso. So just to understand, so SS Campo Basso, you guys bought that or did you, or, or did you buy Campo Basso 1919 and have you merged the two? Like what's the legal status there? So, so, mm-hmm. so that there's no confusion. No, they're two completely separate clubs. You know, they have nothing to do with each other okay. legally. You know, the only thing they have to do with each other is that with one another is that they're both based in Campo Basso. But no, okay. SS Campo Basso, which is the club that played in Sedia Chi last year, that's the club that lost all of their appeals. And as of now, essentially, uh, because of the ruling by the Italian justice system, you know, the Fiji Chi all the way on up to the Consiglio di Stato uh, has no home. There's no league for wow. that club to play in. Wow. So they can't even go to Echelenza? No. In fact, I think, you know, I don't want to speak. I'm not, obviously, I'm not a legal expert, no. but my, just given the precedent, you know, that other other clubs have experienced in similar situations, I would guess that there's going to be some sort of dissolution or bankruptcy, you know, that's imminent at this point. Wow. Well, it's, of course, if they're not allowed into play at any level, then that, that's, that seems pretty in- inevitable, doesn't it? Um, wow, that's that's dramatic. <laughs> that, like you said, you weren't lying when you said about it was going to be it's like a soap opera. Yeah. So you guys are like, so you so you got Campo Basso 1919, and if they were to if they were to dissolve SS Campo Basso, if they were to go into some sort of you know bankruptcy, would you be able to take over that or or or, or you know because we in, in Italy we've had many times where clubs go into bankruptcy and then out of the ashes like the bird phoenix rises a, 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 a you know a, a descendant so to speak would you guys or is this is that something you guys are looking to do or no i think nima at this point we're just so excited about this project and we feel like 1919 you know Campo Basso 1919 
is a platform and we 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 didn't we weren't interested in buying this club as the secondary team of Campobasso or of mm-hmm. you know the region of Molise. We were only interested in this deal if we we were the first team and we essentially substituted yeah. the old primary team which was historically SS Campobasso. So that went into this deal as well. We secured the exclusive rights to the stadium, you know, Stadio Nuovo, Nuovo Romagnoli. It's a 25,000 seat yeah. stadium, so we're the exclusive tenants in that stadium. We're just investing in some, there's some maintenance work that needs to get done before we can actually start playing our games there. So mm-hmm. in the meantime, we're playing in a temporary small, smaller facility, but in the mm-hmm. next couple of weeks, we will be returning to the full stadium. We have, uh, you know, we've worked with the mayor and with the political um, figures in the region of Molise. We've been granted exclusive status or primary status as the first team of Campo Basso. So, I mean, we feel to answer your question, we really have no interest and no uh, you know, the, the old SS Campobasso to us is not relevant. We have okay. our project. This is a platform. Okay. We're the first team of the city. We have the stadium. We have the fan support and we're ready to roll. Um, so that's mm. our that's our play. Well, how have the fans of uh, both clubs, I guess, received this? Well, at, well, 1919, historically, Nima really didn't have a okay. fan base. It was just okay. a tiny little club that essentially served as a feeder system mm. into not just SS Campobasso, but to other larger clubs throughout the region. So mm. we just looked at it as a platform. That was all. There were really there were no fans. There was no stadium. It was just Campobasso. And with the first club going essentially extinct, we were like, wow, this we can take this little club that historically has been the secondary team and we can invest in turning it into the first team. So that's what we did. We we the fan you mentioned it's an interesting point you brought up in terms of the supporters and the fan base, that was critical to us. We were not going to do this if we didn't have the full unconditional support of the fans. And mm. before we did this, I mean, we talked with the head of the the heads of the ultras and the organized fan groups and a bunch of people locally that had a lot of influence, and they were like, Matt. We're just devastated. I mean, think about the suffering, the pain and suffering that this fan mm. base had endured. They you know, they've suffered through bankruptcies several times before. Finally, the team gets promoted from D to C for the first time in 32 years. On the pitch, they have a pretty good season in their first year in Serie C, avoiding relegation pretty safely, almost even getting into the playoffs. And then the second, literally the second that that season is over, they're declared ineligible because, and for no, you know, for no fault to no fault of their own, just because of an administrative and financial mistake that the old ownership group made. So just think about the pain and suffering the fans endured. So obviously, I mean, this fan base was going to lose football. There was going to be no football at all whatsoever in Campobasso because the old ownership group went through so many appeals. By the time they lost their final appeal, it was after September, transfer window essentially was closed and the whole region was going to lose football. You know, there was no football, no football. And the fans at that point, were devastated. So they really viewed this as a breath of fresh air. Obviously, it's a punch to the gut to have to restart from the fifth tier when you were just playing professional football in Sedia Chi. But they su- they've supported us unconditionally. You know, we're, I'm flying out there in a couple of days. I think we have a few hundred people already confirmed to attend our press conference. I mean, there's a lot of renewed enthusiasm and energy, not just in the city, but all over the world, you know, from the Molisani and Campobasani expats because of this project and if it wasn't for that we just wouldn't have done it 
Well, of course. And, and like you said, I mean, it's very difficult. I mean, football always plays such an important role globally in, 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 the, in the local cities and regions it's from. But in Italy, it's really, it can't be understated. It can't be overstated how important this is. And for those fans to not have a home after so many years and that history, it's, I mean, the pain it causes is it is, it's difficult to try to convey that to someone who's not inside Italian football. And I know that you guys have an excellent reputation in Italian football. So I can only imagine, you know, I can imagine they were, they were thrilled that you guys wanted to, to come back and try again. Um, Fans just want, you know, Nima fans just want a serious project. They want serious ownership. And look, it's not the first time this has happened. You look at look at Napoli, look at Fiorentina, look at Genoa. These mm. are all his, you know, clubs that have achieved incredible levels of success from bankruptcies. You know, obviously we're not doing this from a bankruptcy. We're doing this a little bit, you know, more in a unique way by taking this already existing club that really was a small, tiny, forgotten club and turning it into a very relevant and large club, but this this concept is not foreign to Italian football, and we believe in the project. You know, you look at Campobasso. Mm-hmm. Campobasso. There's a reason we invested in Campobasso years ago. The reason was because it's a great place. I mean, strategically, it's right smack dab between Rome and Naples. It's the only club in the entire region of Molise, so you don't have to worry about infighting with other clubs, and you don't have to worry about resources from political and government figures being divided among you know different clubs. Everybody supports this club. And then you look at the expat base, there's about 300,000 uh, people in Molise right now. There's 1.1 million Molisani that live oh. abroad, you know, United States, Canada, Australia. So you look at an operating team like ours that's based in the United States, yeah. that has the, you know, the networks we have and the resources we have, you can understand why we really believe in this. So trust me when, you know, <laughs> Ivano Maselli, who's become basically our, our on the ground, you know, our boots on the ground in Campo Basso, when he came to me with this idea about a month ago, you know, we had no intent of coming back to Campo Basso. It was really yeah. the fans that brought us back. He came to me a month ago and he said, Matt, why don't you take the team in the fifth tier? Like I almost laughed at him because I would have never in a million years, you know, playing, playing in Serie C, playing with Ascoli in Serie B and, you know, being two wins away from Serie A. You know, you get a little spoiled. So the the notion of restarting from the fifth tier to me wasn't even a consideration until the fans reached out to me and made it very clear how important this club was to their livelihood, to their to their sense of uh, identity and you know Mm. and 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 dignity. Mm. And that's really what what drove us here. So we're excited about it. You know, Nima and my career, just like in you know you and Carlo. You know, I started from the bottom. I started mm. below at Chilensa. So I don't, you know, I'm not afraid to no. start get over. Get dirty. Again. Get my hands dirty. Yeah. And I'm yeah. not afraid to do it. Mm. No, absolutely. And no, it's, 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 a, it's an extraordinary story. Um, um, well, you know, we'll see, um, you know, I'm sure you guys will, 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 will do well. I mean, you guys always put in the work. Um, I'm very professional. Like I said, you have an excellent reputation in Italian football. So um, let's see. I mean, Obviously, Campobasso, Essa's Campobasso's most famous victory ever was in 84-85. I'm sure you know the story. Coppa Italia, beating Juventus with Platini, Bonnik, and Shirea. Um, I mean, do you remember who scored that winner that day? Or the, of course. Yeah. It was, it was Ugo, um, uh, it was Ugo Lotti. 
Yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, the eighty-four, eighty-five uh, game uh, that, that I'm talking about. It, it was an own goal by Stefano Pioli, who's now managing Milan. Oh, is that right? I thought, yeah. I thought Ugolotti scored. I didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah, no, it's it's. I mean, it, it, if you look at the goal, it's it's a. Uh, I think they they gave it as okay. an own goal. But yeah, that, that's the that's what it's the history books say. But do you? I mean, with the new project or with the new Campo Basso. Obviously, you're looking to make new memories. If you could choose to beat any club, any Serie A club in the Coppa Italia to create a new classic memory like that, who would it be? Wow, that's a great question. Serie A right now, you know, can I give you a Serie B club? Yeah, sure. I think we'd like to beat Benevento because Benevento, <laughs> Benevento actually has been the club that we've been compared to. Like when you talk about the potential that Campobasso has, everyone always says, well, why can't it be like Benevento? It's a club that finally, you know, it's a sleepy, sleeping, you know, it's a sleeping giant, 50,000 people in the city, tons of expats internationally. They sort of, they sort of hung out, you know, historically hung around in the lower tiers, Serie C, Serie C Due. And then when they finally got a serious ownership group with Vigorito that, you know, put a long-term multi-year project into them, they wound up getting promoted all the way to Serie A. So I think that would be pretty cool just as a statement to get a chance to play against a club like that in the Coppa Italia and kind of say, hey, you know, we're, the, we're, we're coming next. You know, we're, we're the next generation of what you did. <laughs> ah, nice. That's, that's a good, that's a, I love that answer. Um, well, as you mentioned in the beginning, we'll, we, we have to talk about Ascoli as well. But just to confirm, you're still, you're still a minority owner at Ascoli with the Pulcinelli family, right? Oh, absolutely. We're this. These are two separate projects. We're a hundred percent, hundred ten percent committed to both of them. They're very different projects with th- very different strategies and ambitions and mm. operating plans. But yeah, we recently, over the summer, you know, as all this this was going down, we actually re-upped our investment in compo in a, in Oscoli, Excuse me. We also extended uh, our sponsorship agreement with them. So we have a three-year sponsorship agreement in addition to being co-owners in the club. So we're really pumped about that. Obviously we had a great start to the season recently. You know, we, we took a couple of, uh, we took a couple of lumps recently, but I, I feel good about the club. I think we're going to be right there in the thick of things until the very end in, uh, in Serie B this year. Um, just to, just to ask, I mean, just, just, will there be any synergy between Campo Basso 1919 and Ascoli? Like, will there be any friendlies, loan signings, like anything like that? Any Absolutely. cooperations? Absolutely. In fact, I want to just point out that our partners, our co-owners in Ascoli have been super supportive of what we're doing with Campobasso. And if it wasn't for their support, I don't know if we would have done this with Campobasso. They came in and they were like, Matt, you, this is what led you to Italian football in the first place. You know, my grandparents immigrated from about an hour outside of Campobasso. So they said to me, this is, you know, your, this is your second home. We don't want to deny you of that dream. And they encouraged me, these are the co-owners at Ascoli, they encouraged me to go do this deal with Campobasso. And if it wasn't for that, I don't believe we probably would have done it in the end. And in terms of the synergies, absolutely. You know, obviously Nima starting in the fifth tier, there's not too many synergies between a fifth tier club and no. a second tier club. But, you know, once we get promoted, we're, we're, we're going all in to get promoted immediately this year. We, you know, we're on full points after two matches. We've won by a combined 12 nil in our first two games. So we feel really good about the team. And I think once we get promoted to Serie D, that's when you'll see some of the synergies yeah. you mentioned kick, kick in. And it's everything you mentioned. It's, you know, taking players from the Primavera team and bringing them over to Campobasso. It's, you know, co-promoting the two teams. Obviously Campobasso, we're going to be looking to gain market share in North America because it's such a fertile ground and there's so many expats 
from the Molise area that support the club in North America. So as we do that, I think Ascoli will benefit as well from a heightened international presence. So those are all the things we're going to look to do. I think we're probably about one year away from realistically seeing mm. a lot of those synergies come to life. Um, when you, when you were last on, we, 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 we asked you, 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 you told us that you guys had an option to take over the uh, majority from the Puccinelli family in, 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 in at Ascoli. Um, now, if, am I right to can, um, assume that you guys haven't done that yet? And, and is that, and if not, is that still something you guys want to do? Because I mean, when you guys first came into Ascoli, you were very clear that this is, you know, you were looking to take over the full control of the club and so on. Can you explain a little bit about that? Yeah, that all has to, a lot of that has to do with Campobasso. So, yeah. you know, life is full, as you know, Nima, life is full <laughs> of, of surprises and twists and turns, and it's mm. never a straight line. It's always a no. line. <laughs> and look, you know, at the beginning of this summer, if you had to, if, if, if I had to tell you what my confidence level was in us taking the majority of Ascoli, it would have been very high, you know, certainly above 50%. Mm. And then this opportunity came about with Campobasso, and it just became a project we fell in love with. I mean, this is the quintessential underdog story for me. This is a story mm. of redemption and rebirth and hope mm. and everything that really brought me to Italian football in the first place. So when, mm. this, when this opportunity with Campobasso became more and more real, it also meant that our you know, current minority position in Ascoli was the smartest move. And that's yeah. ultimately where we landed. We said, look, we have a really large, healthy stake in a very big club that in Ascoli that has a shot at getting promoted you know, pretty much every year to Serie A, which we're super excited about and happy about. And now we own 100% of this smaller club that represents all of the expats and immigrants and underdogs across the world. And this is a multi-year project. And you know, it's going to take time. This is going to take time. We're not delusional in any way. This is going to be several years before we get this team realistically into the upper tiers of Italian football, you know, Serie B and beyond. But they're two projects we're incredibly passionate about. We're loyal to both of them. And we're incredibly proud to be a part of both of these uh, these beautiful places. So do you guys, just to, just for the sake of clarity, do you, do you guys still have a, an option to take over Ascoli, majority at Ascoli? Is, is that something still you're looking to do in the future? Right now, with so the official option expired. We do okay. have we do have an understanding with uh, you know the Pulcinelli family, who we have yeah. a great relationship with. Just yeah. you know, this is open dialogue in the spirit of partnership and good faith. We always have these conversations, but there is nothing. Uh, there's nothing okay. legally binding now. Cool, that's great. Okay, so like you said, like I mean, you're in your second full season as a co-owner of Ascoli, and like you mentioned, you were you narrowly avoided promotion through the playoffs. I mean, that must have been so disappointing. Yeah, that was a that was a tough one. You know, we we started the at the season. I think we were predicted 14th or 15th in the mm -hmm. table based on the odds. We totally exceeded everyone's expectations. We finished in sixth place. Had a home game in the playoffs against Benevento. Obviously, we lost that match. That was a tough one to take because we we had, I believe, the 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 most points out of any Serie B team in the table, the whole Girone di Ritorno, the whole second half of the yeah, season. Yeah. We had the most points on the road out of any team in the season. We had, you know, we had great defense talent with three or four players that wound up going to Serie A and, uh, clubs in the off season. So we had, we had, we really felt like we were going to win that playoff and to lose it the way we did. I think we outshot Ben, speaking of Benevento, that's who we lost to. <laughs> I think, I think we outshot them. It was like, I don't know. It's like, there's a lot. It was 14 shots on goal to three or something. And 
just like anything in football, you know, football, if you convert on your opportunities, even if you only yeah. have two or three of them, they can make the difference. For sure. And you were coached by Ricardo yes. Sotil. I mean, this is this. I remember we was when we spoke about it when you were last on um, about what a you know future interesting coach he is. And he is now. I mean, he's in charge of Udinese and Udinese, who thoroughly defeated Roma and Inter and are at the top of the Serie A thereabouts. I mean, what, are you are you surprised at all that he's done so well so early? No, not at all. I look. I first of all, I'm so happy for Andrea. You know, Coach Sotil was a great leader for us. The things you saw on the pitch were nothing compared to what he what you didn't see off the pitch. I mean, the reason we finished sixth place last year in the table when we were supposed to finish 14th or 15th was because of Coach Sotil, obviously in addition to the staff and the team and you know players and the fans, but Coach Sotil was the heartbeat of that whole machine last year. And it was mainly because of the things he did off the pitch. He knew how to manage egos. He knew how to manage personalities. He was a great motivator. So seeing what he's done at Udinese, look, would I, I'd be lying if I told you that I would expect them to be, what, what are they, in second or third place right now? Yeah, um, um, I think uh, they, they're in... Um... Uh, let me just bring out my cheat note. <laughs> I think they're in um, they're in third, but if, if but but more importantly, they're just one point. Um, yeah. yeah, they're just one point off Napoli and Atalanta in third. Oh, um, okay. I would I would be lying if I said I would expect after <laughs> you know after the first what is it five or six matches yeah, for so. for the, for them to be uh, you know for them to be in the second second or third place. But Coach Sotil is an elite coach. He's he's one of the best motivators that I've ever met and. There was no doubt in my mind that he was going to be successful in Serie A. He would be successful at any level of professional football. If they put him in the Champions League, he would be successful in my opinion. Well, it's it's, it's interesting you say that because um, I mean he's been long touted, and I remember when, when when last season I was watching quite a few Ascoli games just to see uh, just to see how how he plays, and he he plays a very interesting and modern brand of football. Um, but what is it he does off the pitch, like you spoke about, that makes him so special, in your opinion? A lot of it comes down to motivating and a lot of it comes down to knowing how to manage personalities. You got to remember, there's so many different egos to manage on these football clubs, especially at the Serie B level. You have players that came down from Serie A that might feel like Serie B is beneath them. You have players that come up from Serie C and even Serie D. Look at Lorenzo Luca last year who came up from Palermo. I think they were in Serie D or Serie C that this is a major opportunity and launching pad for their career, and this is a big step up for them. It's an international league. You Ascoli last year, I think we had players from 12 different countries represented. So just that job in itself as a coach is an enormous job. Managing personalities you know, of all types, managing players from all over the world, some of whom speak English, some of whom don't. I was really very, very impressed with how Coach Sotil did that and he did it all with grace, you know, with elegance, with class, and ultimately the results, uh, you know, the results showed. So that was the thing I think off the pitch, Nima, I was the most impressed by. Yeah, I mean, it's and and uh, I mean, Udinese have Udinese have so many young players that he's gotten, and also older players. But it's it's the mix that's so to see them play this kind of modern and high pressing and high intensity football, and and to do it against Inter, to do it against Roma, it's it's incredibly, incredibly, incredibly impressive. Um, well. Going back to Ascoli now, surely your ambition this season has to be go up, to go up to the Serie A. And what what chances do you give yourselves that you can do it? 
Yeah, look, there's no hiding it. This is, first off, this is a very competitive Serie B. This is like a Serie A due, you know? Oh my God, it is. It's my favorite league in, after the Serie A, Serie B. I, I, I love this league. <laughs> it's wild. I mean, look at look at some of the teams you have. You have Genoa, Parma, Cagliari, Brescia, Benevento, uh, Venezia. I mean, the list, you know, and then even the teams that got promoted from Serie A. Palermo. <laughs> yeah, Palermo, Bari. I mean, yeah. it's... It's just the list goes the you know, the list goes on. So, yeah, I mean, there's no hiding it. We uh, we're we're looking to get promoted certainly in the next two to three seasons. You know, we're not hiding that. I think talking to Pulcinelli family and the Pasadis and the Bellisandros, who are other investors and co-owners in the club, you know, we would all tell you the same thing. This year, the goal was playoffs or bust, and if you make it to the playoffs, just like last year, anything can happen. So that's. That's our goal. We we had an incredible start to the season. We lost our goalie Nicola Liali, who ironically was the, you know, was the second coming to uh, Gigi Buffon in, in Juventus. You know, he came up through the Juventus Youth Academy, and then ultimately didn't pan out with Juventus and wound up at, at Ascoli, which was one of the best things that ever could have happened to us, because I think he's the best goalie in Serie B. So he went down in the game against Cittadella, which we drew nil nil. And he's out for two months. And that was a big blow to us, you know, because he was really, he's really our leader in the locker room. You know, he just, he sets the tone. A lot of people don't think of the goalie always as leaders, but he, he is the emotional leader of this team. So to lose him for two months was a big blow. And, you know, we're still kind of recovering, I think, from his loss psychologically. And it's going to, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out and we'll get it turned around. But the past two or three weeks have been tough. I think we're still trying to figure out who's going to step up as our vocal leader on this team in his absence. For sure, um, for sure. Um, so, if you were to um, uh, give uh, one of your players, who maybe a little younger player, who isn't you know who isn't that known, who uh, aside from who you mentioned, who do you think should be should keep an eye on um, in the Ascoli squad? Uh, players, yeah. I like uh, Colo Colo, Michele Colo Colo. He's one of our midfielders. We were getting a lot of Serie A offers from him in the offseason. We decided to keep him. We have two players that are in our youth academy right now that are on the under 20 or under seven, under uh, 17 national team or under 18. I forgot to get it confused. Uh, one is uh, uh, Filippo, Filippo Palazzino, who's a striker. And then we have uh, Tommaso uh, Boletta, who's a goalie, portiere. So I like both of those guys. And we have a really good team. Our defense is solid. Giuseppe, you know, Beppe Belushi is the staple to our defense, along with uh, Botteguin, Eric Botteguin, Brazilian in the back. Our midfield is really strong. Uh, Cedric Gondo, who we signed in the offseason, I think is still the capo can, can, uh, canoniere de, de, of Serie B, you know, the leading goal scorer. I think he is. He's, he, if he's not, he's certainly close to the top. So that was a game changer for us. We signed uh, Mendez, Paulo Mendez from Sporting Lisbon in Portugal, who actually has played in the Champions League before. He's just getting adjusted and acclimated to Italian football and to Ascoli. I think once he gets adjust, fully adjusted, him and Gondo up front are going to be you know, pretty unstoppable at our level. So I'm excited about the team. I think it's going to take a little bit of time to get some new leadership with uh, Nicola uh, Leali out, but, uh, but it's, it's a great team and we should be right there in the thick of things till the bitter end. How long is Leali out for? Is is there any like pr- pr- projection on on when he will? We're expecting out? him. He was out. He's been out for about three weeks now. We were expecting him to miss about ten weeks. So mm. more or less, there should be about seven weeks to go or so. For sure. Well, um, one thing we always talk about on this podcast is 
why you know we we believe in Italian football, and we're very happy that entrepreneurs like yourself, with an Italian background from the United States and other places, like to come to and in, in, invest in, in in Italian football and and to renew it, as it were. Um, and it's and, and Italian football is often criticized for being a bit stuck in the past, um, given how it's administrated and, and commercialized. But I mean, what 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 specifically do you think that Italian football could learn from American professional sports? Look, I think innovation has a lot to do with that. Nima, you look at what the NFL has done. You look mm. at what Major League Baseball has done. Mm. Embracing social media, yep. short, snackable highlight clips that are you know distributed to consumers, merchandising, you know, modernizing the game, logos. I think all of those things, Italian football clubs would be well would benefit from, in terms of their ability to uh, you know to learn. But look, it's Italian football. It's beautiful. It's romantic. It's it's you know it's, it's football and it's culture and it's passion all rolled into one on the backdrop of you know, the most beautiful country in mm. the world. So mm. there's just so much that Italian football has to offer, not just to Italians and Italian expats, but to the world, you know, the sports fans across the world. And I think they're learning, you know, I think they are learning. I'm, I'll give a shout out to my my friends, our, our partners at IFTV, Italian Football TV. I think they're doing a great job as ambassadors here in North America for Italian football. And, you know, Serie A engage them to go help them, improve their social media presence. So I think what you're seeing for the first time in a long time is a sense of humility by the powers that be, you know, at the Federation and at Serie A and certainly at Serie B level to embrace innovation. And I think when they do that, the rest is history because all the other elements are in place. You're, you know, you have a great quality of, you know, the product, the quality of the product in Italian football is obviously amazing. It's historic. You have some of the most historic clubs and cities in the world all on the backdrop of Italy, which is a culture that you know everybody loves. So I think mm. once they modernize some of that content, media, the marketing side of things, the sky's the limit, much in the same way that the Premier League has done for the past two decades. I don't know if you know, but the Serie B, there was, um, <laughs> they didn't allow clubs to post their highlights goals for, you know, and goals from, from their own games. And Venezia, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen them on social media, how they've taken on that. Um, they, they've, um, they've, uh, they've, they've had a very interesting take on that because they were not happy with that at all uh, on Twitter and Instagram. So, so they basically um, posted uh, videos of their own games, but they, but not them. It was another account. Uh, who uh, legally we can't say was connected to Venezia, but the way that it was done was with it was it was they made it black and white, um, <laughs> and they made they made a very specific point out of exactly this that they you know why can't we promote our own um, you know highlights games until a week after the game is played. Oh, that's um, I didn't I didn't know that. I got to yeah. check that out. Oh, you have to Venezia Venezia's social media game. It is world class. You have to check that out. They are absolutely hilarious, and and they always do it with with such. They do it intelligently. They've got a little bit of you know bite, but they do it with that you know with that tongue in cheek as well, which makes it really really funny. Um, so definitely got to check that out. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Serie A with you. Um, Obviously, Lecce, Cremonese, and Monza teams you know really well. Of course, having played in the Serie B last season, they got promoted. Um, which club do you think has the has the biggest chance, or chart? Which which clubs has the biggest chance of staying up? Well, based on the initial report card, it would be Lecce. Certainly, I think they've put the best 
performance for it so far mm-hmm. this season. Also, just a shout out to Federico Basquirotto, who's a former Ascoli player who we sold to Lecce in the offseason. He's doing phenomenally well for them. But look, with Berlusconi involved, you never count him out. So, you know, let's see what happens in January or in December when the, uh, you know, when the Mercato reopens. I wouldn't put anything past Berlusconi, but I think the early, by the early indications would lead you to believe that Lecce, Lecce is going to, um, going to stay up. And it's interesting because you have some historic clubs that are, I think, going to have a tough time staying up. Look at what's happening to Sampdoria. You know, our guy uh, uh, Sabiri, former Ascoli player, is out in Sampdoria. So we're obviously hoping they they stay up. But I think, look, it's brutal. People don't realize how difficult it is to survive in Serie A, and it's it's a challenge if you fall asleep at the wheel even for one moment it could cost you dearly in the table and you could be spending the rest of your season just trying to figure out a way to avoid relegation so I think it's going to be interesting Anima I've been really impressed with Lecce so far but again I wouldn't count Berlusconi out and especially let's have this conversation again in January and we'll see we'll see what moves he made yeah, for sure. What about um? What about I mean, the, the, the Serie A title. I mean, obviously it's really early days, but who's who do you think is going to win it? And 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 who do you you know of of all? I mean, Inter. I mean, it's really tight, as we said. This you know Napoli one one point ahead of Atalanta and Udinese, with Juve and Inter having struggles, but they're not far behind. It's a really tight Serie A. Who do you think is going to win it? Well, look, you can never count the Milan clubs out. I'm gonna say this year is finally going to be the the year of the South. I think Napoli is going to win it. Spalletti now in his second year, second or third year. I think it's his second year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Second year. The second year of coaching there. So he's, you know, he's gotten his, uh, he's gotten comfortable there. He understands the fan base. There's an identity to that team. I think the fans, I think there's just a, there's something about the energy in the air in Napoli this year. I would have to if I had to guess, I would say Napoli. I think Atalanta is going to be right there, by the way, until the bitter end as well. You can't count the Milan clubs out. You know, Roma this year is off to a great start. Mourinho also in his second year in Rome, I think, is starting to make adjustments. So I think it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be one of the more exciting Scudetto races we've seen over the past decade or so. I think there's going to be several teams in the mix. Gun to my head, though, I'm going to pick Napoli right now. They, I've got Napoli as my uh, as my dark horse to win the Serie A. Wow, uh, there we go, Neil. Yeah. Finally, we we agree on something. Yeah, we do, we do. I I think they are. I think they had. I think they had the by far the best mercato in uh, in, in a long time. Um, I mean, of all Italians, of all Italian teams, I think also financially it was very. It was so intelligent. It was so intelligent. I mean, they slashed the wage bill. They brought in new, exciting young players, and they also kind of made a net profit. On yep. players in and players out. I mean, De Laurentiis is out. It's fantastic at these things. There's no I doubt. agree. Um, okay, so just before I let you, before I know you're really busy, <laughs> I can let you go. Um, obviously, you've you've spoken before of your friendship with Taco Joe Tacopino, a good friend of the show, and Spal, and he's also there. And 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 you guys, you know, you're doing a lot for Serie, you know, to, to promote Italian football in, in in well all over the world, not just North America, but. Um, is is um, have you guys got something planned together or, or any any anything you you know how's the relationship there? Oh yeah, Joe's a good friend. I mentioned you know Joe. Joe was really the founding father of Italian American soccer ownership. You know he was in Roma. What now? I guess it's thirteen, fourteen years ago. So yeah, I have a ton of respect for Joe. Anytime I need a perspective, point of view, pick up the phone and call him. He's been incredibly gracious and generous with his time. You know it's something I'll never forget. I think, uh, you know, I've tried to return the favor in any small way possible. And, yeah, we've had a lot of conversations. We're talking about potentially 
doing a little mini uh, tour with some of the Sedia B clubs that are American owned in the off season here in the United States. So those are things we've talked about. We've talked about a bunch of different co-sponsored, you know, co-promotional uh, ventures together. So there, there'll be things that we'll do together. Uh, although, you know, with the way his team is playing, we might not see him in Sedia B for too long, which yeah, obviously, that's... obviously we, you know, we're trying to beat them on the pitch, but <laughs> from a friendship perspective, there's nobody I'd rather see get promoted this year other than Ascoli than, than Joe. Oh, couldn't agree more. Great guy and 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 such a passionate person, just like yourself. When when you talk to him, it's like you 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 just get so like fired up. And he's he's a fantastic, uh, like you said, a found one of the one of the first people, one of the founding fathers of of of, Ita- of um, Italian American investors in in football, like you say. Um, right. So thank you so much for coming on, Matt. Really appreciate it. I know you got so much going on and, and, and so much, I know you, I know you're pressed for time because you're going to Italy soon. Um, so thank you so much for coming on. And, and obviously we'll be linking to all, all Campo Basso's social media accounts as well. Um, uh, thank you so much. And don't be a stranger. Nima, thanks for, thanks for the time as always, just before we, uh, before we jump, I just wanted to thank you and your audience uh, for the time, as as always, we enjoy the relationship with you guys, and we're really excited about this Campo Basso 1919 project. Beyond being, obviously, if you're a fan of Roma, Milan, Inter, you know you're not going to renounce your fandom to come root for us. We would never ask you to do that, but we hope in some small way fans will adopt us as their second team. You know, because mm. beyond just being a football club, this really is a social project for us yeah. to turn Campo Basso into a platform that represents so many people that probably listen to your show like myself mm. that had immigrant you know, parents or grandparents mm. that struggled. And you know, this is a platform really to give those types of people a voice and, you know, the underdogs of the world. And, you know, we're going to put our heart and soul into this thing. And even though we're starting from the fifth tier, we're treating this like a Sedia A club in terms of how we're running it. And we're excited about it. And all of the help we've gotten and support we've gotten from across the world so far has been overwhelming and uh, we're, we're we're pumped we're really excited about it well best of luck and we will be tagging you on social media the new the, the campo basso 1919 pages that you guys have got up and running so that people can follow it and we really it is a beautiful story it's it's uh you know what you guys are doing there it's it really is beautiful it's more than it's 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 so it, it's quintessentially italian football i think everything you said about what's going on and wish you nothing but the best Thanks, Neil. Appreciate the time as always. Give my best to Carlo and we'll uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you so much, Matt. And everyone else will be back uh, tomorrow with another uh, with another midweek episode only for patrons. If you want to listen to that and all the extra stuff, go on patreon.com slash tifp.com uh, to sign up. $2.99 XVAT a month. Until then, take care of each other and ciao, ciao.